Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Hey everybody. Thanks for checking out something to wrestle today. We greatly appreciate your support. Uh, Bruce and I are working hard to find times and his schedule every week to continue to bring you the show. But all of a sudden I'm busier than ever before helping listeners just like you save more money than they ever thought possible. Don't take my word for it. Just ask Craig in Wisconsin. He recently saved some money at SaveWithConrad.com. left us a five-star review. And he wrote this, the process of refinancing my home was as easy as it could be. Jimmy and the rest of the team were in constant communication with me. And I was never left wondering what my next steps would be. I shaved 13 years off of my loan. 13 years. I received a better rate and saved $110,000 over the life of the loan. I just want to say to Conrad and the entire crew, I love you. Listen, this is a real review. Craig is going to save more than $110,000 and you can do this too. And listen, it's not fancy to figure out how we're doing it. We reduced his term from 30 years. He was just two years into a 30 year loan. So he has 28 left. We found a way to make the payments affordable on a 15 year loan. In the process, we cut 13 years worth of unnecessary house payments off. Run the numbers yourself right now. Throw it in your calculator. You know, you've got one 13 years times 12 monthly payments a year. That's 156 payments. Now what's your payment? You probably know it to the penny. He's going to save 110 grand. Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time, but we can even help families with credit scores in the 500s. So what are you waiting for? Let us run the numbers. Find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention you get to skip your next two house payments? If you haven't already, you can skip your June and your July payment. You're done until August 1st. And oh, by the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states. So why wouldn't you do this? Get a quick quote right now at savewithconrad.com. You know, finding the person you want to spend the rest of your life with is great, but you got to hate all the pressure of what's next. Of course, there's all the engagement talk, but then there's the pressure of actually shopping for a ring, the hassle, the haggling, finding a store to trust, trying to figure out what the heck the four C's are, discounts, sales, coupons, styles, all the nonsense, but at least those are all fantastic reasons to put off getting engaged. And that's why guys have really grown to hate Steven singer. He takes away every excuse in the book for not buying the ring. And he makes it so easy. I hate Steven Singer. Steven Singer is a Philly jeweler who's been making it too easy to buy real diamonds for over four decades. He specializes in diamond engagement rings and has a staff of real experts, real jewelers, real people that are ready to help you find the perfect ring or gift at the perfect price. There's no call center. There's no sales. There's no haggling. There's no promo codes. There's no discounts just the best price possible, guaranteeing the best value every single day. 
Check out Steven at the other corner of eighth and Walnut in Philly or online at I hate stevensinger.com. Always with fast and free shipping. That's I hate stevensinger.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shock him. You, Bruce. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Just another day in paradise. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Anything exciting or eventful happen in your life besides nearly shitting your pants? What do you mean, nearly? Well, you do you just think t- I can't accomplish something? No, I know you can. You, you think I'm on, you think I'm not capable? You think I could just come nearly to it? You know what? It's my apologies. I'll stand corrected. You've told me many times there's people who do and people who try. And you do uh, shit your pants. People. There's people who try, the people give their best shot. And those people do whatever it takes. And you do whatever it takes to shit your pants on a regular basis. No, I try not to. Well, <laughs> well, let's give it a shot. We're talking about Undertaker 98, 99 today. Uh, I took a peek at the notes and I'm going to be honest as we head into this. There's a lot to cover. I don't see any chance we finish 98 and 99. We're give it a shot though and make the most of our time with Bruce today before he gets called away or nature gives him a call. Uh, yeah, I got no guarantees on that. Well, it's going to be a shitty episode of something to wrestle. Buckle up boys and girls. We're uh, six weeks removed. Do you, know, you, do you know if you go to type in that in your little emoji thing? Um, if you type in SHIT, yep. the poop emoji doesn't come up. But if you type in P O O, then the shit emoji comes up. I got you. What, what's up with that? Well, I mean, I don't think you're supposed to call it shit. Why not? I just don't think you're supposed to. Oh, poo poo? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Apple wants you to call it that. Is what I'm saying. I think they would well, prefer you. Apple matter. Well, because you're typing it on Apple phone, right? I don't know. Okay. I got on my blue phone here. This one. 
let's talk about what you do know. You know, that was, we start in 1998, we're six weeks removed from the Montreal screw job. Um, the last pay-per-view of 1997 undertaker's opponent was Jeff was Jeff Jarrett. He's 32 years old at the beginning of the year. Uh, but he's dealt with a number of uh, injuries in his career. He's been on TV since 89 and, uh, it's crazy to think, you know, time's sort of a funny thing. As we start in 1998, the undertaker is ricochet's age. And you go back and you see old interviews with Bret Hart. And he talked about how, before he left the world wrestling federation, Taker was pretty openly talking to him about, Hey man, I probably only got a couple years left doing this. And of course we know fast forward 20 years, he's still at it. Um, did you think back in early 98, well, we probably only got Taker another year or two. Absolutely not. You knew he loved it too much and he'd find a way. Yeah, you know, I always go back, and, and this has been a recurring story with with guys like Taker, even Sean, um, Austin, for that matter, uh, that I always used to give the analogy of Bruiser and the Crusher. You know, they were, good Lord, probably 60 years old and still in the ring. Just people want to see their entrance. People want to beat the shit out of somebody, and they didn't take any bumps. And people were happy to see him. I said, man, you know, you'll be 75 years old. I said, as long as we can wheel you out on stage to raise your hands up, bring the lights up, people are going to be happy. And I still maintain that today. Well, one of the things I want to pick your brain on is how the undertakers booked and we'll call it January of 98, you know, on the heels of this really nice feud with Shawn Michaels that I guess you could go back to. Uh, SummerSlam when he, Sean accidentally cost the undertaker, the championship, when he was the special guest referee and, uh, Bret Hart walked away as champion. They worked together in September. They worked together in October. Of course, in November, the whole screw job thing happened December. It feels like it's sort of a lame duck deal and undertakers working with Jeff Jarrett, but by January we're back. I don't get more lame duck than that. Yeah. But we're back in business with Sean. Jeff knows I love him. Of course, but at the same time in October is where we saw the debut of Kane. How difficult is it to sort of have, I mean, this is a casket match at Royal rumble 98. Uh, famously it's where Sean's going to hurt his back, but still undertaker, you know, is, is finally getting another rematch this time for the world title against the guy who cost him the world title back at SummerSlam. But underneath it all, we know this is not really where we're going. We're trying to get to Kane. Talk me through that process. Is it challenging to have one of your top stars really involved in two top storylines at the exact same time? Actually, it's ideal because you can, you can have, you you just got more toys to play with and looking at Kane and Sean, I mean, uh, from an opponent's point of view, couldn't be more different. Sean, that was ongoing and that was a, a good deal. Uh, we had to finish that up before you could just move on to Kane and have that singular focus. So we still had to wrap up Sean and Undertaker and let people salivate for the first time that you're actually going to see Undertaker and Kane. Did you always know that the plan was going to be Taker versus Kane, or did you at least flirt with the idea that maybe they would come together? I ask because. 
I remember Paul bear being on raw saying something like he couldn't find Kane. And it's almost implied that maybe Kane and undertaker have mended fences and they're going to come together as a team. Of course, we know that doesn't happen. Was that ever even discussed as far as you know, at this point? Yes. No, not even remotely. The, uh, the match at Royal rumble, we were teasing a minute ago. It's a casket match. Sean gets the win 20 minutes, 37 seconds. It's that, uh, backdrop over the top rope where he cracked his lower back on the casket that really put him on the shelf. But eventually there's, uh, some shenanigans undertaker tombstones, Michaels from the apron into the casket. And at that point, uh, China knocks down the referee, Los Bariquas and the new age outlaws hit the ring and they all start attacking the undertaker. Kane's music plays. He cleans house. It's quite the spectacle, but I guess we should mention that, um, when Kane starts whacking away at this thing with the ax and then sets the damn thing on fire, this is a scary thing to look at. And I know there's magic involved and you get weird about telling us about the magic, but I'm sure you've got a great story about setting this damn casket on fire at Royal rumble 98. <laughs> yeah. I got some stories you can't even tell on that one, but, uh, you know, it's, you realize that you find things out is, as you go along and you may have in your, in your mind, you envision things and, and you, you think of movies and how, you know, Shit looks so effortless in movies. If I could put some fucking gasoline on the damn thing and throw a match, some bitch is going to go up in flames and it's going to stay like eight foot fucking flames forever. Well, in real life, that doesn't happen. Right. So you, you know, you first, the uneducated would throw gasoline or whatever, some kind of accelerant, lighter fluid or what have you. Um, and look at it and go, well, fuck, that was unspectacular. Is that even a word, unspectacular? I'm uh, asking the English major over here. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just a hillbilly from Alabama. There you go. Oh, hell. I'm just a damn hurt. redneck from Texas. Hurtful. Um, so, hence why I said whatever I said, that word that I don't know if it is actually a word. And you look at it. Oh, yeah, man. And then you realize, well, fire needs oxygen to breathe. Right. And if you're just pouring it on a, uh, a flat surface, it's not going to burn. Not going to burn for any length of time anyway. And you're not going to get big flames because you're, you're only looking at whatever that, that lighter fluid or whatever accelerant it is. And that's where we learned, okay, that's why we had to take the axe to it, to give it some air, give it some oxygen so the fire could breathe, so you can make big fire. Big fire. And big fire. I like big fire. You don't want to fuck a small fire. No. You want big fire. Yep. Okay. And so that's, you know, as you're playing with this thing, it's like, okay, son of a bitch, man, we need some, we need some oxygen in this bad boy. And make it burn, make it look great. And then you, you have to deal with the next thing, which is the most important thing is the safety, the safety, not only of your performers, but also of the audience because you're, you're in an enclosed area. So it was a little tricky, but we, you know, we, we kind of got it figured out. And, uh, so rehearsals are for sometimes. And, 
you know, here, here's the other pro, pro tip. If you're going to, um, if you're going to try to recreate that, it's best to try and, and create it and or recreate it in the same environment in which you actually want to do it. Because if you do it outside, <laughs> it looks one way. Yeah. If you do it indoors, it could look completely different. Yeah. So, yeah, that was through a lot of trial and error to, to get to what we got to. But I thought it looked pretty fucking eerie and pretty good. So a few weeks ago, I uh, took my parents to the beach for their uh, 41st wedding anniversary. And while we were down there, mom started teasing dad that, uh, well, something he said for a lot of years might not be true. He had been saying for a long time, well, my hair will turn gray, but it'll never turn loose. But mom was sort of razzing him saying that she's been finding more and more hair in the shower. I immediately gave dad the pro tip, dude, you gotta try keeps. And by the way, I got so nervous. I got some too, because two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. And dad was lucky. Dad was in the sixties before it happened, but I'm trying to get a jump start, baby. I don't want to let it happen to me. You see more than 50 million men in the U S suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Well, check this out. Keeps offers both keeps offers a simple stress-free way to keep your hair. They've got convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. So you didn't even have to leave your home. And how about this low cost treatments that start at just $10 per month and keeps even offers the generic versions, discreet packaging. And of course, proven results keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast. Don't wait until it's too late. It's called keeps for a reason. Keep the hair you've got right now, bud. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash wrestle to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash wrestle to get your first month free. That's keeps.com slash wrestle keeps.com forward slash wrestle. On the heels of this, now that the undertaker has been burned alive, uh, he's going to take some time off and, uh, I believe not only to heal some injuries, but he's got a, a sick parent. I think it was his dad. How important was it to, uh, grant the dead man this time off? I mean, he's like one of your most loyal soldiers. And if he needs a little time off, we figure a way to make it happen. Is that why we, uh, we wanted this spectacular fire? Well, it was also a way to keep Kane and undertaker apart. Prior to WrestleMania, you add into all of that, the other issues that were going on and his, his dad was not feeling well at the time and, and Taker was looking to spend some time and help his dad out during this time, help his mom out uh, with his dad. So it was an optimum time and it gave you good reason. You know what? Go, go heal up a little bit, go take care of your business that you need to take care of. And when the time's right, we'll bring you back to WrestleMania and people will be happy to see the dead man again. Well, he does uh, take some time off, but when he returns at raw, he comes back with the infamous promo where his coffin gets rolled out, lightning hits it. And he appears to challenge Kane for WrestleMania. And that program literally lasted forever. Uh, but I do think in hindsight, it, it probably gets glossed over in this particular era, simply because of Mike Tyson's involvement in the whole Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin thing. Obviously Tyson was mainstream pop culture, et cetera, et cetera. 
but when it comes to the legacy, what, what do you think is more important? The, the trio of Michaels, Austin and Tyson or undertaker Kane? Well, I, at that time, it would probably be, you know, the whole Austin yeah. and Tyson. And, and that was, that was the anointment of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that took precedent. But at the same time, when you look at attractions and you look at, holy shit, Undertaker Kane was just as important. Chat me up about the first WrestleMania match. I mean, this thing's been built forever and ever and ever. Is there any concern that, man, these guys haven't really touched each other. I mean, I know they've worked together in smoky mountain and I think they worked together when he was the, the evil dentist, but this is a different deal. Is there a concern that, Hey, we know we've got them hooked, but what if the match is the shits? I don't think there was that concern. I, it was, I think that when you looked at it, Glenn was accomplished. Taker obviously was, but having, having Glenn in there with undertaker, I think that kind of alleviated any concern. Um, and the story was what the story was. So it, it was something that had been built and back in those days, um, you know, hell that that's not a long time to build and wait for a match. It's, you know, you had the time to actually build to matches like that. It wasn't, you know, an instant gratification society in which we live now. Let's talk about the match itself. Uh, Pete Rose comes out. He's heavily booed. He turns himself even more of a heel talking about the whole, uh, Buckner deal. Uh, Kane comes out, uh, <laughs> tombstones him gets a huge pop. And, uh, then of course, Pete Rose is stretchered out. It is a famous WrestleMania moment, but the fans are cheering because, well, Pete's the real heel here, but we're supposed to hate Kane too. Uh, help me understand why that made sense. Do you sacrifice sort of the storyline in order to get the, the cheap pop with the celebrity? I don't think it's sacrificing any storyline at all. It, it's Kane coming out and, you know, tombstoning a big celebrity in Pete Rose and Pete Rose was a huge celebrity, especially at that time. Um, it's just, you know, it, it, it's a pop, but I don't think it's, Oh my God, he's a heel. So a heel can't do anything to a heel. I don't look at it that way. It was a star moment. What can you tell me about the match itself? Do you think it delivered? I mean, you've got undertaker doing the, uh, the, the top, I mean, the, the, the dive over the top and crashing through flying the table. Cow. Yeah. Flying cow. Sorry. Uh, multiple tombstones and a lot of people felt like, you know, it was good, but maybe too long, maybe didn't live up to the hype. And then afterwards bear is going to attack undertaker. Um, and then Kane sort of gets his heat back. Kane hits undertaker with a chair and tombstones him on the chair and I don't know. As a fan, I felt like, well, they did it, but maybe it wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. Were you pleased with it? Uh, no. Uh, and when I say no, uh, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine, but I don't know that it was like the end all be all. It was also, I think in everybody's mind, it was the first confrontation. So it's the first one. So, you know, you're going to have more, 
So you're thinking, okay, you don't want to give them everything that you can. I felt that gave them a little bit too much. And again, this is all hindsight being 2020. When you look at it, you go, maybe we gave them too much and didn't need to, which might have contributed to the feeling of maybe the match was a little bit long, but it was um, in this particular situation, I truly believe uh, then and now that uh, that story was was the match. The story was the attraction, and not necessarily the the matches themselves. So let's um, let's talk a little bit about the rumor and innuendo surrounding WrestleMania 14. Because when people think of 14, sure they think of the Pete Rose thing, but they also think about the the underground legendary story that Undertaker being the locker room leader was allegedly concerned that Shawn Michaels might not get the match in the ring or might not do business or whatever. And as the famous story goes, undertaker shows up to gorilla and he's wrapping his fists as Shawn Michaels is getting ready to go wrestle Steve Austin that night in the main event. What's real. What's rumor and innuendo. Yeah, that happened. I mean, you know, it was, it was, that took place. Um, Taker was there, kind of like Taker is. It, it uh, if he's not in the last match, he's usually sitting there at Gorilla anyway, watching the last match. But I think there was uh, quite a bit of emphasis at this point because Sean had not been the most cooperative person during the day that day, and wasn't the most popular guy in the locker room that day by any stretch of the imagination. So. Throughout the day, throughout the night, there was all kind of rumor and innuendo. Is Sean going to do business? Is he going to do everything that he needs to do? And, and Taker just wanted to be there to confront him, I think, on the way back if Sean didn't do exactly what Sean was supposed to do that night. Well, we're off to the races right away after WrestleMania. But, but just to give you a sidebar. Yes, please. Because um, when we're talking about th- this particular evening, this particular WrestleMania and Pete Rose was – the one cool thing that happened that night was Pete Rose sat next to me at gorilla all night long and, um, funny motherfucker, man. He was absolutely hilarious. And he was just talking and talking about the business and everything under the sun to, to the point where, you know, how like, uh, remember how, how we were with Banya that day where yeah. like after an hour we were best friends and had known each other for our entire life type thing. Yes. Well, that's the way it was that day with Pete Rose. And I remember looking at Pete at one point in the conversation and we're sitting there and I said, he asked me a, a very inside question and I forget what it was, but it was kind of like one of those. So how do you do that type thing? And I said, well, I'll be happy to share that with you. Tell me something. Did you do it? And he looks at me, gets a little smile on his face. I said, did I said, you know what? You did, 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 did you do it? Meaning, did you, bet, did on you baseball? bet on baseball? And, you know, during the thing. And he looked at me and he says, you know what, Bruce? Because I didn't do anything that others weren't already doing. And I never, ever, ever bet against my team. So I, I thought that was cool, the yeah. way that he... he he phrased it and everything, but it was, it was just one of those candid moments for a minute where I, 
it was we were best buds and sharing things. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll go ahead and push my luck. But he was a Pete was top notch, one of my favorite celebrities ever to work with. Well, if I was with you at the next pay per view, I would say, Bruce, how do you do that? Because it's unforgiven and it's announced that it's going to be an inferno match. So some of our younger listeners may not remember this concept. Tell everybody what a inferno match is and how this concept was first pitched because <laughs> it's maybe one of the crazier ideas in wrestling history. Well, good Lord. Kane's entire existence is based in fire. And the simple fact that he was maimed as a child in this horrible fire that was allegedly set by his big brother, the undertaker for God's sakes. So what better way to make his big brother pay for those sins than to actually scar his brother with the very flames that he had been scarred with. And when you're talking about different concepts and different matches and, and what can you do and things that had never been done before, you know, you come up with what if right. the ring were surrounded by fire. You have cage matches, you have hell in cells, you can have goddamn uh, uh, Indian, whatever the hell, Punjabi, Punjabi prisons. prisons. Yeah. Uh, you have everything under the sun. But man, an inferno match, entire ring surrounded by a wall of flames. And the only way to win this match is to set your opponent on fire. Never been done. Whose idea was it, bud? Mm -hmm. I think it's Russo. Is it yours? You think it's Russo's? I just assumed. Okay. It was yours. Might've been. And so did you ever ask anybody, Hey, how do we pull this off? Or did you just sort of do your Royal rumble 98 thing? It's like, well, Oh, you know, no, like in the movies, I like big fire. No, I, I look, and I think, I don't know that necessarily the inferno match and the whole set your opponent on fire that part, the idea stemmed from what do you do? What if you surrounded the ring in fire? Okay. Um, it was not my idea to set your opponent on fire. That kind of grew from there. My idea was basically like an old traditional cage match. No one in, no one out. Paul Bear's not going to be able to interfere. Kane's not going to be able to run. You're, you're, you got to finish it in the ring. And one of the Vince's, I think, you know, was one that came back with, well, that's how you win the match. You got to set your opponent on fire. Then the question comes up, well, then how the fuck do you do that? Surrounding the ring in fire, that's not really, like, how do you do that? That's easy to do. Easy, I tell you, easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not that easy. But I was going to say, it. yeah. Yeah. Is it just me, or does it feel like it's special occasion season? We just have uh, Mother's Day in the rear view. Father's Day will be here before you know it. It feels like everybody is graduating or getting married. Now is one of those times where the pressure is on to give the perfect gift for an anniversary or a wedding gift or a birthday or whatever. And that could be stressful, man, especially if they've given you gifts in the past. Now you feel like you have to give them a gift. 
But if you're like me, you don't want to half-ass the gift. You want to give the, the meaningful gift, the personable gift, the gift that's the talk of the party or the celebration. What you need to do is go to paintyourlife.com. And by the way, this is a great option if your family hasn't been able to get together for quite a while. This is a cool way to bring everybody together safely. Now, I need to mention, when I first heard about paintyourlife.com, I thought, well, this is a great idea, but it's got to be terribly expensive. Because I grew up on, you know, if you see some oil tycoon in a movie, he always had like a painting of himself over his fireplace. And I just associate it with, you know, the filthy rich. Turns out it's real affordable over there at paintyourlife.com. So affordable that I've given this in my real life a lot. For starters, I got one for a birthday and I was sold. It's hanging in my dining room right now. But for Christmas, I got my wife one of our wedding day. She loves it. Also hanging in our house right now. Worth mentioning, got one for my mama, got one for my dad. And here's what's cool about that. My mom's third child is her dog. So we got one of her dog, but she also misses her dad. So got one of my grandfather. My, my dad got a, a photo of uh, his mom and my cousin got a photo of his dad who recently passed away. But even the old nature boy himself has not one, but two different items from paintyourlife.com. One of his beautiful day of celebration with his lovely bride, Wendy. And of course, who could forget his lovely daughters. I'm telling you, paintyourlife.com has my credit card number on file because I'm paying for all these. None of these are comps. I really believe in paintyourlife.com. This is a sponsor that I will get behind every single time because it's real. It is a truly meaningful, personable, special gift. It's a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo, all at a truly affordable price. This is real, guys. You choose from a team of world-class artists. You work with them until every doggone detail is perfect. The platform's super easy. You just take a picture right off your freaking phone and upload it to their user-friendly platform, and bam, in less than five minutes, you're off to the races. It really is a quick and easy process, too. You're going to get this hand-painted portrait in just about three weeks. And by the way, they can do anything. I was just mentioning I had multiple peoples in the photo. Hell, I even had a dog in one. But yourself, your children, a cherished pet, a special place, your whole family, you can combine photos into one painting. A guy at the office recently had a baby. Unfortunately, his dad passed away. So for uh, his mom's Christmas present, he gave her a painting of his son meeting her husband, his dad. The baby never met grandpa, but now paintyourlife.com made it happen. Dude, I got chill bumps just talking about that. This is the perfect gift for any occasion and it will be cherished forever. So here's the thing, man. If you don't like it, how about this for a guarantee? At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can even get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 64000. That's WRESTLE to 64000. Text WRESTLE to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com forward slash terms. Again, text wrestle to 64,000. Any, I mean, do you run this past the talent at all? Or do they just show up and one day it's like, oh, hey, yeah, you're wrestling in a fire match at the pay-per-view. See there. No, they knew. I, I mean, it is the obvious question. Uh, what, what, what's a, what's a fire match or an inferno match? 
let's a wall of flame on all four sides of the ring. And how do I Keeps win? You inside. When do you tell them? All right. We, we're, now remember how last week we said it was going to be like, you know, nobody in, nobody out. Well, I've been talking to Caesar. He'd, he'd like to see us set you on fire. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there was at some point that it was kind of, yeah. They, then they were like, okay, how do we, how the fuck do we do that? And, and, and again, to me, the, you know, we, we killed the, the mystique of the match, my opinion in, um, by the way we did it, but we had to do it that way to set someone on fire safely. Um, is the guys got out, they got over the, over the flames and they were outside and, and able to work outside of the ring. Um, so that to me kind of killed the, the whole idea of the wall of flames surrounding the ring. And, you know, again, you had to do that so that you could make sure that, uh, you set someone on fire safely. That's an interesting point of view. Isn't it though? I mean, let's, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Let's talk about how we get there. Uh, there's a, a big show called mayhem in Manchester over in, in England. That's a sellout 18,514 fans. There's $158,000 gross. And it's the second biggest gross you guys have had over there since SummerSlam 92 and uh, takers gear isn't there. So he and Kane only do three and a half minutes before taker pins Kane. We assume the airline lost his luggage. <laughs> that would be correct. Yeah. I mean, how do you wrestle? I mean, how are you the undertaker at this point? Sort of pre biker gimmick. Without gear, this is worst case scenario, huh? Not, not a, not a good scenario, but who the hell checks their gear? Oh, look at you calling Mr. Calloway out. Well, damn it. Who checks their gear? When you were brother love, you didn't check the suit. Oh, hell no. Okay. So all the, don't check your gear. All that was. Did I ever lose my luggage in any something to wrestle with shows? No. Did I ever come show up without my gear? Uh, well, in fairness, that was mom jeans, a t-shirt, and a blazer from '97. Did I ever show up without it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Remember that dust? The question. No, you were always yeah, prepared. No, I didn't. So you're saying you're twice the professional Undertaker was? Just say it in a loud, clear voice. No, what I'm saying is, is that the airlines were less than professional by losing this shit. Yeah, there you go. That's a way. You know, I haven't seen somebody backpedal that fast since the combine. Uh, so on the way here, Kane and the Undertaker, combine. it's a football. Is that like thing. one of the windmill things? Yes, it makes grain. Uh, Kane and the Undertaker are going to fight in a graveyard, and then Kane's going to light their parents' caskets on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What do you think? I, well, what's wrong with that? What do you think old Paul Bosch would have thought of this creative back in the day? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Well, hang on. Hey, okay. Thank you for asking that. Okay. Do you know where the first coffin match was? I'm going to guess it was somewhere in Texas. It was it. Fuck. Oh shit. I tried to stand up and I got my earphones and my foot stepped on the cord and almost took my head off. The first coffin match was in Houston, Texas. You know who participated in that motherfucker? Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes was one of them. 
You know who his opponent was? Ivan Koloff. Oh, fuck you. You looked it up. No, I knew that. I didn't look up anything. Yeah, don't hold your hands up after you look at it. No, how would I have looked it up? I just knew that. And I swear I knew that just because I was trying to find what boots Dusty was wearing there. Cause I thought I may have had them once. That's the only reason I knew. But how would you know that if, if you didn't look it up? I, I looked it up back then. I didn't look it up now. Back when? Buddy, I Wait, guessed him. So that was first. So Paul Bosch had the first casket match. Yeah, I get it. But then when Dusty lost, did he go to like Ivan's house and set his parents' caskets on fire? Or, or he tried to. Did he? Okay. He tried to, but at the time, Russian Russia wasn't allowing Americans into the country. Now that makes sense. Yeah. So, so there, and you want to hear a good story about that? Not really. So okay, well, good. You're going to. There's a pallbearer union. What? There's a pallbearer union. There's no wrestler and union, but there's a pallbearer. Pall <laughs> <laughs> you can't make this shit up. The motherfucking pallbearers. Listen to you. The fucking pallbearers union showed up and said that they couldn't, that you couldn't have someone take the casket on or off without having like a pallbearer. This is like a, a, one of those antiquated fucking deals. Like, you know, you couldn't buy a casket. Until, like, sometime in the 90s. There's no Paul Bears Union. I ain't buying that. There sure as fuck was in Texas. I thought it was like a volunteer thing from people who knew him or whatever. Thank you. So did I. So, I mean. You find this shit out when you have a goddamn coffin match. Paul Bears Union. And you can't get a casket because they don't fucking sell them to private citizens. So you got to build Wait, a pine box. Hang on. It, what is it? The funeral directors association. No, it was like Paul bears union. These motherfuckers demanded that they had to walk the casket out because you can't do it and all this shit. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Holy shit, dude. They have an annual convention for the, uh, Texas funeral directors association. It's, yeah. at, it's at the Sheraton, by the way, if you're curious over in, uh, the, uh, Esports stadium in Arlington. See that? So do we want to go? I mean, we could exhibit, we could attend, or we could be a sponsor. Can you just be a spectator? Oh yeah. We can attend. Oh, does that means be a spectator? Yeah. That's what, that's okay. what that means. So, so they did it basically Koloff like destroyed, you know, when Dusty put him in the thing and closed the lid and going to bear the Russian. Gonna bear the big bad Russian bear Ivan Kolov. We're gonna send him on his way. Away from Texas, if you will. And then Kolov beat up that fucking coffin and he tore it all to pieces with the red shovel all the way from Moscow. The 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 that Russian dude, whoever the fuck was running it at the time, has sent the Ivan to bear the American dream. But the American dream will not die. Would not be bad with his mama watching in Houston, Texas. Ain't gonna happen. Not on my watch. Well, on your watch. Tell you. The WWF finally overtakes WCW in the ratings war, and you break the 83 week streak. Uh, how satisfying is this for you, for Vince? Hell, for Undertaker. You guys have been there forever and ever, and Nitro has been on quite a tear. When you finally win, is it high fives all around? Or do you even take a moment to acknowledge it? Because it's on the next week. It's on the next week, but at the same time, yeah, you're happy. You're celebrating. Fuck. Yeah. 
Well, piss Ann Eric Bischoff down there. Fucking had his little 23 week run or whatever it was. Listen to you. Let's go to the Inferno match. Unforgiven Charlotte, North Kakalaki. Uh, it's a fire match. Uh, and it's not the main event. Uh, it goes 15 minutes and 57 seconds. It's on sixth. Meltzer would say again, with the exception of one spectacular dive out of the ring, by undertaker, this wasn't much of a wrestling match, but it was an interesting spectacle to watch of two guys, not doing much of anything in a ring surrounded by flames. And that I guess is what you had to be fearful of going in. Right. It's not like, well, well, nobody knew how hot it was actually going to be. Let me ask. I'm not saying this to be funny. Had you ever seen any footage like VHSs or whatever of what Onita was doing over in FMW when he would like douse the ropes and fire and shit like that, because those were always a train wreck. Yeah, they were horrible. That's not, and we weren't interested in doing that. But this was different. How? Because we controlled the flames. Those, no, dude, they just wrapped the ropes and set them on fire. I'm with you, but the point is, there's nothing safe about what they did. Now you can't. We controlled everything. But you still can't really run the ropes or do a regular wrestling match, right? Yes, you could. Okay. No, you you definitely could. Is it true that there's some sort of story involving, uh, Kane and, and Paul bear, they were supposed to get there the night before to do a walkthrough, but they got a car <laughs> service or something like that. What was that story? The car went the wrong way. What, t- t- talk, tell me like I'm an so, eighth grader. So we put, we put them on early in whatever town we were in the night before. Right. And set a car service to pick them up and bring them to North Kakalaki Had everything set up. And they're driving along, driving along. And the guy rolls the window down and says, uh, oh, hey, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, are we going to, to North Carolina? And I was like, yeah. And the guy had uh, gone like about 70 miles the other way. So he had to backtrack another 70 miles. So, you know, it was about two hours late. Cause now they had to come back to the point that they were and then go to the building. So yeah, it was a lot of fun waiting on them. It's interesting too, because the day before you guys were in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and you're only going to Charlotte, which I realize if you're North Carolina challenged, you may not know how far away that is, but it's only like what, two and a half hours. But if you had the wrong direction now, it's a lot further. Yeah. So let's talk and about a building full of people waiting on you. There is uh the big special effect where, uh, they're going to wrap up Kane's arm with some sort of protective sleeve under the ring while the crowd's distracted with the undertaker brawling with Paul bear. And, uh, then of course, Kane's ready for the stunt undertaker kicks Kane into the flames. He runs to the back. He's got an arm lit on fire. Meltzer would say kind of ECW style. And there was a lot of bad wrestling. Uh, but the well set up big spots of the match gave this a, uh, or make the match more memorable Two wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Meltzer said ECW was bad wrestling. Uh, yeah, he, he was pretty consistent about that. Oh, wow. Y'all agree on a lot of stuff. You just don't want to acknowledge it. No, we don't agree on much of anything. Well, you both like me and you both hated ECW. That's two things. Who said I liked you? Oh, that's fair. Okay. I'll ECW. I'll give you. <laughs> Uh, the next day, he likes- here comes, uh, the store 
or the story the next day on raw Jerry Lawler and Paul bear having a conversation. And Paul bear says when he was 19, he was a virgin stud and the undertaker's mom was scantily clad and she seduced him on the kitchen floor. Is this from your sick and twisted mind? And could you sort of lay the creative out to bill Moody without laughing at the time? I think I laughed the entire time. And do you start with now? What if, what well, if again, you... this story has so many layers to it? Now here's my question though. Were you on some of that wacky tobacco with Briscoe when you thought of this and you started laughing and said, what if, okay, first of all, you gotta, you've got a picture Paul bear as a virgin stud. Yeah. Well, yes. In the funeral home. Yes. With takers mama. Correct. Who took advantage of him. Right. Because he was a virgin stud. Well, very studly yet virgin esque, which is complicated. And then I started diddling takers mama. She was diddling my little tinky thing. Yeah. She took Paul bears virginity. My goodness. And guess what came of that? Do you know this mother's day and father's day look no further for the perfect gift than paintyourlife.com. It's worked for me every time. And when I say every time, I mean it, I've used paintyourlife.com to bring tears to the eyes of my mom, my dad, even my father-in-law. And right now I'm ordering one for my mother-in-law all from paintyourlife.com. My mother-in-law's life is her dog, Missy. And this year, my wife and I knew exactly what to get my mother-in-law for mother's day, a painting of Missy. It really is that simple too. All we needed was a, a picture from our phone. Boom. We're up and running. You see paintyourlife.com can really create a hand painted portrait to fit almost any budget. And it's the perfect gift for your mother, your father, or both. I've used it. As I said, on almost every person in my life. I've given these to my wife. I've given it to my cousin, my mom, my dad, my father-in-law. If I'm looking to give a truly meaningful, personable gift, I know the paintyourlife.com has my back and they're going to make it easy. You can go ahead and start the entire process in less than five minutes. And what's really cool about paintyourlife.com is they can even combine photos. Maybe you want to put two people who never met in one of your favorite vacation spots. You can do that. Just upload the photos. Bam. You're good to go. Maybe grandpa never got to meet his grandson with paintyourlife.com. That can become a reality. You can put people and places together. Even if they've never been there, you pick the artist, you pick the medium. Do you want oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even go ahead and pick out an awesome frame. The whole process to get started, as I said, takes less than five minutes and you can actually get your painting in as little as two weeks, but you work hand in hand with the artist to get every detail. Perfect. If you're looking to get those waterworks going to have your mom or your dad tear that paper and just almost be overcome with emotion, that's what I got. And I've never gotten that reaction to a gift card. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. There's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded guaranteed. And right now as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping. Now to get this special offer, just text the word wrestle to eight, seven, two, zero, four. That's wrestle to eight, seven, two, zero, four. 
Text Wrestle to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Kane! Oh, yes! Kane! He's my boy! <sighs> Who do you pitch on this idea first? <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I pitch Vince first. God uh, damn, I love it. That's great shit, Bruce. Is that pretty much it? Again, it gave more layers to the story. Of, of, you know, there were a lot of unanswered questions. <laughs> of course, he's his daddy. Taker's mom and dad were dead in this horrible fire that he set. And he thought he killed his brother. What if his brother was only his half-brother? Because that funeral director that was awful studly that Taker could remember as a young child... It actually diddled his mama. Chat me up. What did it sound like? What did, what did Vince say when he pitched this idea? <laughs> he just fucking loved it. It was like, God damn. And then it grew from there because now everybody starts putting their two cents in and everything else. And, uh, yeah. What if, what if we picked up a conversation? Just hypothetically supposed to hear your, your, your old great close personal friend, who was screwed over by the unprofessional airlines, Mr. Mark Calloway. Does he come to you and say, really, Bruce, you got Paul bear banging my mama now. <laughs> yeah. And, but I do think, I do think he told his actual mother that it was my idea. Yeah. Hey mama, just so I you think know, she wanted to strangle me. Yeah. She's such a sweet lady though. I, I, that I felt like, did you call and apologize? Like Mrs. Taker? I'm very sorry. Well, no, cause Mrs. Taker was actually diddling Paul bear. Now, Mrs. Calloway, that's much respect and love for her. Okay. But Mrs. Taker, apparently she was playing fast and loose. With that studly Paul bear. Got it. Virgin esque. So, uh, this is a fun line from, uh, from Meltzer. He says, apparently they're building up to a DNA testing of Kane and bear to prove that Paul is indeed the father, which means he did indeed sleep with the undertaker's mother. There was some talk of Jerry Springer being on the show to reveal the results of the testing, but the belief is Springer will be held off to play a more prominent role in the SummerSlam pay-per-view. I realize in hindsight, that seems sort of silly. But context is king. Jerry Springer's show was hot, hot, hot in this era, was it not? Yeah, it was. But let me ask you this. Did any of that happen? No. Hmm. Oh, so you, you're saying it was never. So Dave, so Dave was Okay, let's wrong, move on. And Dave might have just made something up that was never discussed, that he just tried to play Booker and try to think like, oh, this is what they're going to do. And then when they don't do it, because it was never discussed, because it's a stupid fucking angle, um, well, they change their plans. Well, then Dr. Charles Worsley revealed without a shadow of a doubt, Paul Bear is Kane's father. So you didn't use Springer, you used the doctor. We used a doctor. Now, the question is, was that a legitimate doctor? Was that actually someone that Paul Bearer just got to say that he was the father of Cain? Dun, dun, dun. See, didn't think about that, did you? Did you? Now, I don't think so. 
Uh, we should also mention it over the edge. Uh, Taker comes out to support his old pal, stone cold, Steve Austin in his, uh, defense against dude love and Taker winds up choke slamming Pat Patterson through a table. When he tried to interfere, how much did Pat love taking an undertaker choke slam? Oh God. And he got up there for it too. Not a face. It's a big and again. It's a douchebag. It's a fuck it at your face. So the next night on raw, they do something kind of cool. Undertaker comes out and essentially no gimmick. It's street clothes Jones here. And he's going to beat up LOD draws DOA Val Venus and Papi Chulo, Papi Chulo. Uh, until he gets Vince to come out. And the storyline here is that undertaker has been used by Vince to beat all the wrestlers that Vince knew his handpicked champions could never beat. So without ever saying it, it feels like he's talking about Hulk Hogan or Bret Hart or Randy Savage. And he says that Vince never wanted him as champion to represent the company. And he always had short title reigns because of it. And he says, then they all left for the money, but he stuck around because Vince gave him his big break, but Vince turns around and forces him to fight his brother and uses his own family tragedies to build TV ratings, even though he's never lost his smile. And instead Austin rises to the top of the company and he wants a title shot. And of course, these are fair points and Vince McMahon being a fair boss responds by saying undertaker's mom's a whore. His mother's a whore. And if he can beat his brother, he'll get a title shot. This, (laughs) this is a a great Vince Russo booking moment. Is it not? There's no way. I believe so. (laughs) Your mother's a Horror. <sighs> well, mankind distracts taker in the main event to help Kane win. And so that's how we start to set up King of the ring. 98. We should mention on the way here, Austin and taker team up to take on Kane and mankind and Madison square garden on June 5th. And it draws 391,575,000 dollars. Uh, again, it's a Madison square garden and it is the largest gate inside of the U S for a non-pay-per-view event ever. How remarkable is this to think that you're less than a year removed from where Vince had to sit down and tell Brett, I can't honor your contract. And now you're setting records left and right. That's motivation that a small adjustment and some persistence, it can change a lot very quickly. Can it not? Yes, it can. Last time that me and Duffy were there, with on top. I think we did a little bit. I think we did a little bit more than that. They just don't want to give us credit. So uh, Raw has a bill for Taker and Austin against Kane and Mankind in a Hell in a Cell match, but it's not really much of a match. Uh, but Bear hits a gusher on his forehead. What do you remember about Paul Bear bleeding like a stuck pig here? Well, baby, the pig and he was stuck. So how exactly do you expect him to bleed? Um, you know, this was kind of during the era of, I think, throwing too much on Raw and without having a, a firm a firm plan for the future and, and, and knowing, okay, we're going to do this here, we're going to do that there. Um, this was kind of the era of, by God, put everything out there and go. I want to mention too, disaster strikes right after this, both Austin and the undertaker are hurt. And as a result, the company has to cancel three live events 
As a reminder, they're setting records in some markets, but now literally your top two acts are down and out. This is like worst case scenario, is it not? Yeah, absolutely sucks. And it's just absolutely snake bitten. What's uh, interesting here is the undertaker suffered an ankle injury. Uh, they think it's a uh, cracked ankle with some bone chips doing an angle on June 16th in Austin, Texas. It was a location that was supposed to be Paul Bearer's house. And that's where he got hurt. Do you remember this injury where you're shooting some sort of outside on location footage and undertaker gets hurt? Yeah. He just, he basically turned his ankle and came down and fucked it up. So the next week on raw, they're, uh, they're doing this angle and Paul bear also suffers an ankle injury when undertakers throwing furniture around and something lands on him. Was there a backup plan for, you know, King of the ring 98, if undertaker wasn't ready to go, who would have been mankind's opponent would it have still been in the hell in a cell. What would you have done differently? I don't know that we had a backup plan. And, and that was, you know, again, you, you go off of prognosis and diagnosis from doctors and, um, hope everybody does what they're supposed to do and they're going to be able to go. And if not, if you don't have a promising plan, you, you don't go there. So they go on eighth. Everybody knows the match. It's the infamous hell in a cell from Pittsburgh PA. I don't remember that one. What happened? Four and a half stars. Good God almighty. They killed him. Uh, where were you during the match? How freaked out was Vince? What can you tell us the little details? Maybe we haven't talked about before. Are you in gorilla next to Vince or what's, what's that look like? I was in gorilla. I don't know where the hell Vince was. Um, but I, I was at gorilla for the whole thing because I remember distinctly looking for Pat Patterson, uh, for the match. So I, I knew what was coming up next and I'm screaming for Pat. I'm all pissed off that. He's not at Gorilla with me, and that's when I found out that uh, Louis Dondero had passed, who oh, was Pat's man. life partner. Yeah, and um, so now I'm looking, I'm watching the match through different eyes, and just kind of like, holy shit! Um, you know, obviously the, the the same story's been told over and over again. That that from the the cage up top, uh, not breaking like it was supposed to. And as, as we were told it would and mankind, you know, the worst bump was one from the top of the cage to the ring with the chair that came in and slid and knocked his teeth out and everything else. It it was, it was an amazing match. It was an amazing spectacle, but you know, throughout it all there, there's one of those, those moments where you are looking at someone, um, like Mick and thinking, Oh my God, you know, it's, it's gone too far and, and you got to pull Mick back. You're, you're thinking, okay, he's not going to admit, but then Mick is pleading and Mick is telling everyone, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to go. And he goes back and gets in the match. I remember Terry Funk was, was not happy. Um, during that match, uh, especially after the second bump and having to calm Terry down quite a bit. But, um, yeah, it was, it was one of those, one of those moments. Yes. You definitely remember where you were and what took place. And then after the match, Mick coming up and, and, uh, apologizing for not getting the thumbtack spot in as he had thumbtacks sticking out of him all over the place. So, and, and here's the funny thing. We were all worried about takers ankle going in you know, <laughs> into right. this thing, you know? 
This is a service that we have known, loved, and trusted for a long, long time at the mortgage company. And for a long time, I felt like I was the hiring expert for our company. And if you have a small business or you're helping run sort of the backend administration side of another business, you probably feel the same way. You know what your company needs, but what you need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need indeed. Indeed you do. I'm telling you, this has really worked for us. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet the must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skill tests and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for the applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Take it from me. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash wrestle. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash wrestle. That's indeed.com slash wrestle offer valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply, but hurry to indeed.com slash wrestle. Well, do you remember talking to undertaker before or after that match? Yeah. What do you remember his takeaway being from that silliness? Well, like silliness, I, I think, you know, was that they were trying to do something different and Mick really wanted to, to take this one bump and, uh, you know, every, everything was kind of laid out and it, it's unfortunate. Sometimes mistakes happen. And in this situation, you know, mistake happened. Dude, it was, it's such a spectacle. I mean, do you think that's. I think that's gotta be top five, most recognizable matches in WWE history. I mean, I'm not comparing it to Hogan Andre, obviously a different type spectacle, but when people bring up like famous WWE matches, that's gotta be top five, right? They bring, uh, break, they bring up any with me. I don't think so. Are you sure that one time you beat that no. one guy with that furniture name? It's yeah, but I reversed it. I, you did the reverse double vert. Yeah, yes. I remember now. The, the chase. Yeah. yeah um, this is not one of the, the, the biggest spectacles ever. By the way, they're not done here. I think history sort of forgets that. Both Mankind and The Undertaker come out and, and involve themselves in the main event. And at this point, they're both super injured. This is whew, a wild era. The wild, wild west almost, huh? It definitely was. This was, you know, kind of the beginning of, of anything goes and, and, you know, Steve was red hot and you you kept on having to look at, you know, how are you going to top this? How are you going to top that? As a reminder, the creative in the main event is undertaker is going to save his brother later on in the night from lighting himself on fire. 
and helps him win the title by hitting Steve Austin with a chair. And that causes him to bleed and lose. It's the first blood match. Austin did beat Kane the next night for the title, but it leads to Taker and Austin teaming up to face Kane and Mankind at fully loaded. Is the idea here in booking them in a tag match like this? Hey, both of these guys are banged up, but we need them to sell pay-per-views. Let's put them in tag matches and, you know, maybe the other guys can sort of fill in the blanks for them. Yeah, hopefully. It's less work if you if you got a couple partners. You know, it, it, it's... I'm sorry. I got a comment on the first blood match. Cause I, I remember in, I remember the particular incident, but I don't remember who the opponent was. I, I don't remember who it was, but Bill Watts had this finish one time where, and it's an old finish had been used before, but where first blood match and the one guy, uh, is bleeding. Let's say the heel is bleeding, but the heel then takes, the baby faces towel and wipes his blood on it and puts blood on, on the baby face and puts his blood on the towel. But in this particular instance, and God, I'm telling the story. I don't even know who the guys are that that were in the, in the match, but the heel (laughs) is still bleeding. The baby face clearly wasn't bleeding and Watts is excuses to why we're well, because he, the baby faces towel was soaked with blood. So, you know, that it was the baby faces blood. But as a referee, you look, you turn around and you look and you see the baby face and his towel there, but then the heel's bleeding, but then you got to go, well, his towel's full of blood. So me must bled first. You hated that finish. I hated that finish. Yeah. I can tell. So let's talk about the next raw taping. It's, uh, to become the number one contender for SummerSlam. There's a three-way match between undertaker, Kane and mankind taker doesn't show up. And Kane destroys mankind and pins him. And then he unmasked to reveal it was undertaker all along. <gasps> really? Bastard. That's a pretty creative, badass finish. The first time we saw something like this, uh, done in the WWE in a long, long time, I guess it's almost like a Scooby-Doo finish, huh? Whose idea was this? Who deserves the credit? It was genius. You're going to put it like that. It was definitely you, right? Yeah, definitely. No, I, I, I want to say it was probably Vince Russo. Well, it's fucking awesome. And, uh, I'm glad that you're giving him some credit for a great idea. I, I showed that to Eric Bischoff a few years ago and he loved it. Anyway, the, uh, the SummerSlam main event is set, but it's not one that goes on without debate. I think the expectation is probably as hot as Austin is that undertaker was probably going to be the guy booed, but. I mean, they're kind of both baby faces, right? I mean, this is in, in hindsight, we needed a, a clear cut heel baby face for SummerSlam 98. Did we not? Yeah, I, I think you really did. And looking at it on paper and not only looking at it on paper, looking at it on the chair and the artwork for that SummerSlam yeah. <laughs> was absolutely incredible. No, I mean, it looks phenomenal highway to hell. You guys license the song. The creative is awesome. You do monster business on the home shopping network after it's New York city. It's two of the hottest wrestlers in the history of the company. It checks all the boxes, but then the match is just sort of, well, we'll get there. Here's the other thing I wanted to ask that I've always been really focused on. If you don't have confidence in takers ankle and you know, he's hurt. Why are you rolling the dice on Madison square garden, main event 
Steve Austin here. Bro, anybody can work, bro. Oh. It's a work, right, bro? Need I say more? Well, on the way there, uh, Austin and Taker win the tag titles from Kane and Mankind at Fully Loaded. This feels like a classic Russo booking tool, enemies being tag partners who wind up being champions. Uh, really well done here. I mean, you go back a few years prior, or I guess even the year prior, and we saw it happen with, um, with Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin, but I like that, right? You know, strange bedfellows. We hate each other, but we're forced to be in this tag spot together and damn it. We're just, we're better than we thought together. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, but again, goddamn man, that's, that's a booking tool from a gazillion years right. you know, before I, I remember Wahoo McDaniel and Johnny Valentine had these classic battles in Houston, beat the living shit out of each other with Johnny as a heel and Wahoo as the ultimate babyface. But by God, when Chris Markoff and Bronco Lubitsch came in and hit Wahoo with the fucking tag team trophy, you know, the guy that Wahoo turned to, to be in his corner was the guy that he had gone to battle with more times than anybody in that Sam Houston Coliseum. That was Johnny Valentine. Well, I'll be. So yeah, it's a, it's a very effective, uh, booking tool, but yeah, one that had been done since forever that I can ever remember. It's beautiful. Who, who's, who do you want to go into battle with the guy that you've been in battle with that, you know, is tough that can beat the shit out of you. Sure. So. Yeah, I thought it was tremendous. Talk to me a little bit about uh, Undertaker here winning the tag titles. Believe it or not, this is the first time that happens. Is that more because the Undertaker persona was just a solo act? Or was he just one of those guys that you always would lean to and say, ah, he didn't need the belts? He didn't need the belts. They, they didn't. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a tool to become champions and then take it away from them to add even more fuel to the fire for their match to try to make that match as personal as you possibly could. Let's, um, let's keep it moving here and let's talk about the fact they're going to drop the tag straps, of course, back to Kane and mankind on raw. And that gets, uh, gets us closer to SummerSlam. uh, Kane and taker during this period, start to act a little closer and closer at this point. Do you know that? Hey, if we're going to wind up with them on the same side, why not just try Taker as a heel against Austin or, and I'm not saying this to be funny, did Undertaker just not want to be a heel here? I know that sounds crazy, but in this era business is so hot, you're making huge money on merch, right? So if you turn, maybe some of that dries up. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if, if Vince was really ready to turn the Undertaker yet. And I don't know that there was a lot of confidence that you could turn Undertaker at this time. Um, you know, Steve was still new and undertaker was just as hot. You know, I mean, it, it was, he was this hot baby face as well. So if you turn him, are you going to take, uh, you going to take a little bit away from that? It's also, and, but I think, but to your point, I think it would, would have been better to have turned taker at that point. Uh, it's easy for us to sort of armchair quarterback this and say, creatively, it could have been better, but business-wise uh, couldn't have really been any better. You got over 19,000 fans paying $764,165 for 
third biggest gross in the United States behind WrestleMania and the nitro where Goldberg beat Hogan. It also got 700,000 pay-per-view buys 700,000. Woo. That's a lot of loot, dude. That was a hell of an attraction. I mean, the, you know, it, it was, you were really taking your two biggest stars in the, in the company at the time and pitting them against one another in, in what, you know, again, on paper, you would think people would want to see that and they did want to see it. I just don't know that they were happy when they got it. You, if that makes any sense, you know, yeah, I was like, I, I want to see it, but uh, when I see it, did I really want to see that? Is it kind of like when, when guys want to see the, it's the battle of the giants. I want the two biggest guys to fight. And then you get in there and you're like, well, that match wasn't very good. Really. It's the David and Goliath match that works out better. Right? Yeah. But, it, but also as long as you have someone, a, a, a strong protagonist and a strong antagonist, you, you need someone to cheer for. Right. And if you're, and if your loyalty's divided, right. Which I think in this case, a lot of people, you know, man, Steve was walking on water and Taker had been the man. Is it kind of like, you know, a more modern version of WrestleMania six with Hogan and warrior in a lot of respects? Yes. Yeah. Because you, you had two guys. The, the, the only difference was neither one of these were going anywhere. Right. What would your family do with an extra $108,000? That's a problem that our listener Jacob out in Colorado has now. Thanks to SaveWithConrad.com, He recently saved money with us over at SaveWithConrad.com. gave us a five-star review and wrote this. Our previous mortgage company made each step of the process difficult, but Jimmy took it in stride and made it happen. He was able to lock us in at one and a half percent less than we were at and saved us $108,000 over the life of the loan. Guys, that's unbelievable. Jacob saved more than grand. But how much can you save? It's free to find out right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And oh, by the way, did we mention no house payments for two months? And we're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? Start saving money today at savewithconrad.com. It's just fascinating to me that this baby face main event, whether it's Hogan warrior or it's Brett Sean, or it's Austin undertaker, it just doesn't ever really click the way we hope it does. But the match isn't panned in the observer. He gave it three and a half stars. Uh, and they went 20 minutes and 52 seconds. Of course, Steve Austin won. After the match, Undertaker teases like he's going to hit Austin with the belt, but instead hands it to him. But I think the most famous story from this match, and I'm curious, did you see it when it happened? The guys bump heads and it is ugly. Like they're thrown for a loop. I think Austin specifically, right? I think Austin was knocked out. Yeah. Like, and it was early on. Yes. As I remember. Um, but Steve was, was pretty much on basically knocked out. <laughs> you know, for a few seconds there and was trying to get his bearings back. Um, the two had chemistry, but I just don't think the story was, was really there for, you know, me to me to love or hate someone. The, uh, Taker Kane Alliance would continue, but still without the full heel turn by Taker. 
we should uh, go ahead and let everybody know that after the show in character, of course, Vince is pissed that, uh, Taker and Kane didn't take the title off of Austin. So he makes a triple threat match for the next pay-per-view breakdown. And it's announced that Taker and Kane can only pin Austin, but Austin can pin can pin either. Uh, and, uh, the match itself sort of is what it is. 22 minutes and three seconds. Uh, Meltzer would write, there was no winner in the main event, but one loser, Steve Austin against undertaker and Kane in 2203. The big spot came when Austin hit Kane with a chair, but taker hit Austin with a chair and went to pin him, but Kane saved Austin. Then Kane went to pin Austin undertaker saved Austin taker and Kane start fighting. And Austin even helps Kane double on undertaker. Finally, Austin tries a stunner on Kane who blocks it, shoves Austin into the high kick of undertaker. And both guys choke slam Austin and pin him at the same time. And then Vince gets the belt and runs away, jumping into a limo with the motor running two and a quarter stars. I mean, I guess in theory, the idea is we've got to find a way to get the belt off of Austin, but in hindsight, was this the best creative we ever had? No, but it was fun. It left you, it left you asking a lot of questions and, and what are you going to do now? And, and gave you a reason to tune in to see, okay, now what next? Because is, is Undertaker the champion? Is Kane the champion? and Or is Mr. McMahon the champion? Do you feel like that's a pay-per-view finish or more of a TV finish? Like in my head, I feel it like... Depends on where, you know, it, it, but, but see, it, it really depends on, on where you're at. And you look back at television and pay-per-views versus old-school television and pay-per-views. When I say old school television pay-per-views, let's go back to the seventies and eighties where most, most of our audience probably wasn't even born yet. And the idea was you get your talent over on television and squash matches, and then you go to the live event. And at the live event, you do a hot finish to bring people back the next week to the live event. Very seldom did you get a lot of just plain, clean and simple finishes in your top stories. There's always somebody screwing somebody or somebody getting involved or, or what have you. So it's a little different philosophy in, in how you want to look at things. I think that um, if there's a good story and especially for a pay-per-view, pay-per-view to pay-per-view, yeah, man. You know, if you do a screwy finish and you bring it back the next pay-per-view and you give them a finish, then eventually you got to give people a finish. I think if you give a finish every, every single time, then it's, it kind of gets boring. Right. Yeah. I could see that, you know, you're breaking up the monotony, but I don't know. It does feel like a bit of a paradigm shift. Does it take Vince a while to come around to this sort of storytelling on pay-per-view historically, the TVs have been full of Gaga and story, but the pay-per-views, Hey man, this is the final resolution. But now that was again, when it was quarterly, now that it's monthly, does he come around to the idea? Yeah, times are changing, and you know, with with times changing, it it becomes um, you you got to adapt to them, and maybe you don't. It wasn't hurting business, right? So maybe that philosophy of of leave them hanging on the pay per view and make them come back for more drives them to TV, then drive then television drives them to the resolution on the next pay per view. This is very much the era where Stone Cold has been using the, um, the smoking skull championship. It's probably one of the first, 
I guess besides the million dollar championship and that was just a made up title, but we're not using the traditional, you know, big Eagle or whatever they call it. it it's a custom that is for the specific champion. what do you think of that? The smoking skull championship. I love the I loved it in theory and to make Steve stand out and be unique. I thought it was pure genius. The old school in me, you know, was kind of like there's a championship that everybody wants to vie for and you want to hold that that prize. You want to hold that trophy, that championship. So, um, yeah, a little old school in me that felt that way, but at the same time I thought that the the belt that was made for Steve was awesome. How involved was the undertaker and his creative in this point, in this point? I mean, we've heard stories before that Austin would sometimes say, you know, he wouldn't say, what about this? He would just say, oh, that sucks. I don't like it or whatever. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but the idea being he didn't always communicate what he would rather do, but he was pretty clear about, I like this. I don't like that. We've heard that pretty consistently was undertaker like that at all. Did he have a voice in any of that? Or was it just, okay, that's what y'all want to do. Yeah, no, Taker always had a voice and Taker had an opinion. And, and <laughs> a lot of times um, throughout the years, it would be, Bruce, go sell him. Um, and I would be the one that would be charged with convincing the Undertaker to do something maybe that he, he wasn't completely enamored with and, and be the go-between to bring things back and forth and, and try to come up with a compromise. Do you remember any instance like that in 98 as we're sort of running through all that? Um, you know, the, the, I, I remember a big one, but it wasn't, it was, it was 99 really was the very live match on SmackDown, like the second or third week that Taker was just adamant about doing. He did not want to do it. We'll get there. Let's uh, pause. Yeah. We'll yeah. So, I mean, but that, that's the one that sticks out in my mind that it was really, a um, contentious, but take did what he needed to do. So on the, uh, on the heels of breakdown undertaker is going to turn full fledged heel. He attacks Vince McMahon after Vince announces the WWF title will be held up and a winner will be determined at survivor series. So taker and Kane destroy Vince, including his ankle. And then taker is on path to headline another pay-per-view this time. It's judgment day against Kane with Steve as the referee. So we just tried a baby face versus baby face pay-per-view main event. Now it's going to be heel versus heel. We're really trying some new things here. Uh, the guys go 17 minutes and 41 seconds. Uh, it's a no contest. Steve Austin is the referee at first. Austin's not counting as undertaker has Kane pinned, but when Kane has undertaker pinned, Austin gives a fast count. So we're trying to be creative, but still it's not, uh, it's not exactly maybe the best creative we ever saw. Eventually Paul bear comes out, asks Kane to step aside so he could hit undertaker with a chair. And then he hits Kane with a chair who no sells the chair. Kane goes after bear undertaker clocks him with a chair. Austin recovers and refuses to count undertakers arguing with Austin. Austin gives him a stunner and a chair shot and counts with both men laying on the mat rules them both the loser and announces he's the winner. And Austin says, Vince doesn't have the balls to fire me. So of course Vince fires him. And, uh, in the observer, it got negative half a star. This is now 
two pay-per-views in a row with, with some Gaga instead of a traditional match. Continue. Sorry. You're going to like this. Okay. You know, a lot of people love to knock Vince Russo. And we've had our fun with Vince Russo from time to time. But this is when Russo's voice was, was being heard. Yeah. You know, and it was a new voice giving, you know, some of these ideas and, and his voice was being heard. Um, I think that some of this shit was extremely creative and very, very good. It was, it was out, it was outside the lines. Yes. And we were coloring outside the lines and it was unpredictable and it was doing things we had never done before. So to that, you know, hats off. And, and that's why I got, you know, I'm laughing at, uh, what's his name's negative stars or whatever the hell he said. Um, because it, it was different. It was a good story. It, it kept people guessing. It was fun and you couldn't call it. Now, some would argue you couldn't call it cause it was illogical. Um, but at the same time, yeah, some, it was logical. Vince, you don't have the balls to fire me. Oh yeah. Fuck you. You're fired. Now people, what? You know, they're not expecting that. They're expecting the, well, by God, I'll get you. So it was, I thought it was some, some interesting storytelling and good storytelling. So the next night on raw is a pretty famous raw. It's where Austin is going to hold Vince McMahon hostage. But what is really forgotten is Taker and Kane have a rematch in a casket match. And this kind of starts the Kane baby face run. And now bear is with Taker, which leads to a promo before the match. Here's the, uh, the recap from the observer undertaker came out with Paul bear. They turned the guy so many times that nobody cares about him. He's got no cheers or booze. Now he's the one who set the fire after all, although now the fire only deformed poor Kane and the part about his parents dying in the fire has been forgotten. Undertaker's interview was almost as bad as the warrior interview as these storylines really make almost as little sense as WCW storylines. When did you sort of get loosey goosey with what really happened? Or in, in, in your opinion, is it, well, no, he's a heel. He's lying about what happened. You got to see through that. Oh well, yeah. Okay. But then again, do we really know what happened? No, we don't we know. It'll take her mama. Well, we feel pretty strongly about that. War. So, and that you know what, man, that funeral, that funeral part where I heard was just pretty loosey goosey. Really? Yeah, that's what I heard. Okay. Well, the what other thing, Bear, young studly virgin-esque Paul bear, he held it all together. The, uh, the other thing that's loosey goosey is the casket in this casket match. The match is over when, um, <clears throat> the casket breaks and that leads to the WWF tournament at survivor series. We're pretty excited about this, but it's reported in the uh, dirt sheets, as you like to call them at the time that the undertaker has been dealing with back spasms, but he's really not missing any time and he's making all the house shows. Is this uh, more, Hey, Vince really needs him to make the shots or is the money so damn good? He didn't want to dare miss it. Taker taker is an old timer, man. He's going to make it no matter what. And guys were built differently then. And the business was different. You didn't look, you didn't have the same kind of 
medical facilities that we have now, and it was it was a different business. You're, you're talking many many years ago. It was a different business with a different type of talent that was like, if I can walk, I'm going to make the show. Even if I can't walk and I'm in a wheelchair, I'm going to make the show. If I'm advertised, I'm going to make the show. I got to tell you, it freaking tickles me that you just said medical facility. Hey, I wanted to ask, you know, in this era, there's so many licensing opportunities because the WWF is just white hot. The undertaker gets a comic book, which I didn't even really remember, but I found it in my research, but boy, talk about bad timing. He gets a comic book right after he turned heel shit. Yeah. I mean, it it was, (laughs) Well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't just taker. Like everybody, it was a comic book series that, you know, everybody kind of had their own version of the comic books and stuff. Let's get to survive. Takers was pretty damn cool though. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll see some uh, pictures on Twitter when our uh, show goes up. Get your something to wrestle gear at brucepritchard.com and check out boxagimmicks.com, the official something to wrestle store where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the fan in your life. New items added weekly. Uh, survivor series, deadly game. It's taker versus Kane. Uh, they go seven minutes and 16 seconds. Uh, Meltzer would say that undertaker desperately needs time off. He's, he's hurting here and it's obvious he gives it a dud rating, but undertaker continues. But at this point, the physical limitations are on full display in the second round. Rock is going to beat undertaker by DQ and Meltzer would say there's no heat. Kane ran in, confronts the undertaker, then choke slams rock for the DQ. Therefore eliminating the undertaker undertaker hits Earl Hebner for making the call. And then they brawl into the crowd, a lot of protection for taker here, trying to do what they can, but we're really transitioning towards a change for the undertaker. When do you, when do you first remember the whole ministry of darkness version of the undertaker being pitched or presented? Uh, it, you know, it was something just to, and I believe that that was actually Taker's idea to to want to become a little bit more demonic and and more evil. Um, looking at the character, and we had taken care of that character for so many years that it was an opportunity to to go on the dark side, if you will, and and try to take it to the next level and and be a different presentation of the Undertaker. Well, how's this for a different presentation? Undertaker and Paul Bear kidnap Stone Cold and they go to embalm him in the run up to their buried alive match. <laughs> Were you shooting this? Is this this year? I did not shoot that. No, I didn't. Well, there's a infamous clip now where Bill Moody, AKA Paul Bear is just screwing around. And so as Austin is laying on the slab and they're pretending like they're about to embalm him. He says, let's start here or whatever. And goes to pull down Austin's trunks. And Austin goes from playing like he's knocked out to wide awake. What the fuck are you doing? It's great stuff. You got to have a little living, a little ha ha from time to time. So I, I just need to hear, what does it sound like when, when you guys in a booking meeting are sitting around, what if we embalmed him? Well, what would you do? I mean, of course you have to embalm. You got a goddamn Paul Bear and a dead man. You got to embalm people. Could you do it without the union being involved? I don't know about the embalmers union, but okay. I tell you what, you didn't notice there were any Paul Bears involved. Well, there, there was Paul Bear, but that's more Bear comma Paul than yeah. it is Paul Bear. Right. 
Uh, we should mention before we get too deep in this ministry of the darkness. Yeah, sure. A little bit. There's a U and whatnot. Uh, Austin Hogan, Goldberg and undertaker all on the covers of TV guide to WCW top guys to WWF top guys. It makes a lot of sense. Austin Hogan Goldberg. Was it an obvious choice from the WWF side? We want the other one to be taker. Was anyone else even considered? I'm sure there were, you know, probably rock was considered. There are probably a lot of people considered, but this was when you look at being on the newsstand with other guys, who would you want to pick? You'd want to pick somebody that's going to really grab their eye and take her with somebody that was just that. Uh, help me understand, you know, the man behind the character, Mark Calloway. We always get the vibe as fans that, man, he's just too cool for school. Never too high, never too low. Just always sort of cool hand Luke about everything. Does he view it as an accomplishment? Is he excited to be on the cover of TV guy? Does he think that's cool? Does he go pick one up or is he like, uh, don't be a Mark Bruce. Who gives a shit? Oh, I'm sure he definitely was, was extremely excited about it. That's a big deal, man. Huge you deal. know, for those that don't know, TV guide was every single checkout counter at every single grocery store, convenience store, pharmacy, you name it every, everywhere was TV guide. So to be on the cover of TV guide, you were seen by gazillions of people every day. Well, from there, Taker starts speaking in tongues <laughs> as part of his. I could gear. never do that. That pissed me off. You couldn't speak in tongues. I couldn't speak in tongues. Give it a shot right now. Hum da globa not suppose meet my crotch shut your face such a case step a day in my dick what chase okay. I mean, I'm not sure if that was Nikolai Volkov singing or if it was Pat Patterson having a conversation, but together it kind of worked. Well, yeah, they speak in tongues. Uh, so from here, the focus goes back to Kane where bear and taker get Kane committed to a mental hospital with a straight jacket and everything. Boy, we're knee deep in the story. Uh, and now it's time for one of the more controversial moments that you're going to yell and fuss and cuss about as we discuss it. But it's the infamous angle where the undertaker puts stone cold, Steve Austin on the cross it's and, a symbol. and raises it to make him look like he's crucified. Like Jesus. Nobody wanted him to look like Jesus. Steve had no hair. Will you stop? Uh, serious business. We've talked about this before. I know you're going to just keep saying it's a symbol. It's a symbol. It's a symbol, but clearly we're looking for some symbolism and I get it. I'm not upset about it. I wasn't offended. I want to know what you think. Taker thought of the creative to do this. Uh, I don't, I don't really remember, frankly. Um, obviously, we did it, and it was it was controversial. But uh, I don't remember any pushback, really. Well, there was pushback online. Famously, Bob Ryder from OneWrestling.com, which was probably the premier wrestling website back then. Like a couple hundred people were in, up in arms. He called it "raw is porn." I'm sure you at least heard that the sexual nature of the, the product with the suckets and the, and the scantily clad women. But now I think it's the religious overtone here that maybe made a few people say, fuck man, is there no line? Did you think when you first saw it, you know, before doors are open and you know what the creative is and you see it in real life, 
Do you, does, does any part of you, I'm not asking where you offended. I know the answer there. Does any part of you think, man, we might piss some people off kind of the wrong way with this. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Does that even cross your mind? Um, you know, I think people ask that question. I didn't necessarily ask that question. I think that when you view, it depends on how you view the product. If you view the product as entertainment, then it's entertainment and you take, you take it as entertainment and don't take it too seriously. So, um, those that had their beliefs had their beliefs. I, I don't particularly share those beliefs. Do you remember any blowback or any discussion or any talent, or is there anything else you can tell me about the, um, <clears throat> symbol? Again, I, I, I don't remember anybody pushing back on it at all. I think that for the most part, it was, it was what it was. And those that had their comments made their comments, but nobody came to me like, Oh my God, this is terrible. Um, that didn't happen. Did you guys kind of agree, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that again, or I'm just wondering, I mean, it, did you ever find the line? I guess is what I'm trying to, cause listen, I, I'm a, as you know, I'm a big stand up comedy fan. And I think in comedy, there are no limits. So you just try things and there's no, the rules don't apply in a comedy setting. And I kind of feel like you think that about pro wrestling, like, Hey, the rules don't apply in pro wrestling. Nothing's off. Limits. No, that's, no, that's not it. I, I think that there are certain aspects of entertainment that can be controversial and depending upon your viewpoint, you may view it one way or the other. And that's provocative and that will cause people to think and cause discussion and maybe get people engaged in a conversation about it, good and or bad, not saying that it's something that is cut and dry that this, this is good. This is bad. I think that it was, provocative and I think it was controversial. Um, those people that are going to take, take out of it are going to take out of it, whatever they want to take out of it. Um, would you do it again? I mean, that's up for debate, but you're okay with wrestling being a, a thought provoking form of entertainment. It doesn't necessarily need to be sort of the lowbrow popcorn movie. Uh, don't have to think about it. It's a fun escape, blah, blah, blah. Right. Should be all of those things. It should be a fun escape, but it also should get people talking and, and hopefully, you know, touch a button or two. Right. Hit the emotion button. Get someone mad, make someone happy. It's so, all those things. In your opinion, is there something is, does go away heat exist? Is there such thing as bad heat? Or is all heat good heat? No, I do think there's such thing as bad heat, and, and sometimes you know it's it's again that that's that's something that uh, is subjective, and that's something that everybody is going to have their own opinion on. Why adfreeshows.com? It's simple. 
It's early and ad-free. Why wait for your favorite shows to drop when you can listen as soon as they stop recording? There's no need to wait. You can access it all before anyone else can. Plus, no ads. No one telling you what to bundle or how to keep that man part standing tall. None of that. It's just straight content from all your favorite hosts, including Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Kurt Angle, and the rest of the team. That's not all. You also get immediate access to watching their reactions live on video as well. So don't put it off any longer. Do it now. You won't be disappointed. Start enjoying all the podcasts you love early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. Is there a place where we think we could draw the line between a fan hating a character for what quote unquote he did versus we hate the company for what they did? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But it's also, I think sometimes the, the media, the internet, the social media, what have you have created a voice for about 8% of our population, uh, where they can be loud and they can hide behind a keyboard or they can hide behind a, a phone or they don't have to actually get out and do anything and or face anything that it's very easy to critique and it's easy to blame and it's easy to dissect and, and break it apart. Um, but I, I think that it is all subjective and there comes, there comes a point where it is, if it's something, you know, that from my vantage point, you look at, especially when my kids were younger, if you've got to, if you have trouble explaining it to your kids, you probably shouldn't do it. But that's, that's my, that's my compass. And I try to throw back to that. And, and I would ask myself that question. Let's get to uh, the last pay-per-view of 1998. It's taker versus Austin in a buried alive match, uh, just above, uh, uh, rock versus mankind for the WWF title. So Austin's going to beat the undertaker here in 21 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, Meltzer would say, this is one of those deals where anything that could go wrong. Did undertaker is already limited as he's been working for months without arrest on a broken ankle. Austin was suffering from an intestinal virus and had barely eaten the previous week to make things worse. Early in the match, he took a bump on the uneven dirt mound on his shoulder which tore his oblique or abdominal muscle on the right side. He worked the rest of the match feeling as if he was being stabbed in his side. Every time he moved his torso, he went to the hospital after the match and actually missed the television tapings, which says something since he even made TV the day after he was dropped on his head by Owen Hart. So he was not himself, particularly as the match progressed, Austin used the stunner and threw taker into the grave and then left to chase Paul bear taker sat up and got out. And then there was a big explosion coming from the grave and out came Kane taker low blowed him went for the tombstone, but Kane got away and delivered a tombstone and threw taker back into the grave. Austin then comes back out with a bulldozer. Somehow the bulldozer got stage fright and couldn't perform native blue chew while time stood still. And Austin was looking totally pissed off. Austin started shoveling dirt into the grave and eventually the bulldozer dumped one load of dirt into the grave 
then didn't do a thing again for what seemed like an eternity. The whole scene was dead and took forever. Earl Hebner, I guess tired of waiting for a pop that wasn't going to come, raised Austin's hand and the two shared a couple of beers, three quarters of a star. You know, in the South, Bruce, there's a, there's a saying, this shit was snake bit. It felt like every time undertaker wrestled Steve Austin, something bad happens. It never goes according to plan. The ki- it's not that they don't like each other or don't respect each other or aren't great performers. Fuck man. If it wasn't for bad luck, they'd have no luck at all here. What do you remember of this shit show? Horrible. Um, yeah, it's just from, from the entries, but I, I definitely remember the, the front loader just not working. And no matter what you do, man, at that point, it's like, holy shit. Um, this sucks. And yeah, it just pretty much, it just pretty much sucked. Um, to the point of, as far as, oh, and I don't remember at the time if we had the IFBs to the referee or not, but thank God that Earl did what he did when he did to just at least let everybody signify, hey, this is over, folks. Time to cheer and go home. Thank you very much for coming. By the way, concessions available out in the front lobby. Get yours. So not yeah, not good on so many levels. It was, it was pretty rough. Well, it's, uh, yeah. When, when this bulldozer thing doesn't go according to plan, is there someone to blame or is it just like, fuck man, we had a bad night. Basically it's a bad night. Uh, you know, it's, it's a situation where. Hey, everything worked, worked great earlier. And okay. now for whatever reason, you know, it didn't, it didn't work. It's like the damn, uh, the, the time that the fucking ball wouldn't drop and the thing wouldn't go off in the bus for the DX bus or whatever it was. It was like, Oh my God, this is terrible. And Goldberg's car didn't start. And I mean, there's been a few times like that where it's just yeah, like, no, there, there's reason for Goldberg's car. not starting. <laughs> Jeez, don't yeah, I can't even go there. Because you smeared shit all over the business. That's what it was, right? That's what I do. Bruce, uh, we're gonna stop it right there. Um, I feel like we should probably uh, take a peek behind the curtain. I am, uh, I'm going out of town tomorrow for a rare vacation, and our plan was to tape not one but two episodes today, and then we had to take a, a break right in the middle because. You got uh, a personal phone call about a friend who's, uh, in a bad spot and, uh, it, it has not gone according to planned and I don't know. I, I feel like maybe we should just acknowledge that as much as you and I enjoy doing the podcast and as important as it is when we're right in the middle of having fun and hamming it up and bullshitting and telling stories, getting a call like that'll kind of take you out of the mood, won't it? Yeah, sometimes life happens, man. And, um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm trying not to. Um, just share your heart for a minute. I, I think, you know, people, uh, people think wrestling is real. 
and I, you know what I mean when I say that. I don't think a lot of our listeners uh, are able to sometimes separate you, the entertainer, you, the writer of Raw, and you, the real dude. You know, the father, the husband, the friend, and um, I don't know. I'm going to call an audible, and we're, we're going to we're going to take a pause here, but. It just feels like it will be an okay time for you to just sort of talk. Yeah, no, you know, it, it's just, um, I say this, I'm the ones you love and, and just, you know, let, let people know how much you appreciate them. Uh, every chance you get, um, Hey, this is a, just a personal thing for me. Get vaccinated um, for yourself and others. Um, we often go through this life so quickly and you take for granted what's been in your life for a long time. And when, when those things get adjusted or, or the potential of them, you know, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, man. Love your friends. Let them know you love them before it's too late before it's too late. And, uh, uh, the folks that know, you know what I'm talking about. And, and uh, BG, I love you fucker. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I just, uh, sometimes life happens, man. And, and you get hit and it never happens when you, I don't know that you ever expect, uh, crappy news or, or things like that. But, uh, no one, no one's, no one's, no one's dead. It's, <laughs> but it, it's still just, um, friendships and, and I hope, I hope that every one of you that is listening to my voice right now has, has the opportunity to have a friend for 50 plus years. Um, and I, you know, I hope that it's, it's a lot longer, but I'm just, I'm in a, I'm in a rough place. Uh, <laughs> uh, just in general, um, you don't have to and, be eloquent with your words, you know, I just, no, nah, it's just, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's all, it's all fresh. And, uh, I just, uh, got a buddy that's sick and I just want him to get better. That's it. That's it. Just want him to get better. And, uh, and it hurts me that he's sick. So I want to get better and uh, the fear inside of me of, of losing someone that has literally uh, been my sounding board for every major decision I've made in my life. Uh, I just want to get better. I want him to be back to normal. I want him to be right. And uh, that's it. Can't do anymore. Boys and girls, hug them while you got them. Tell them how important they are to you. And, um, let's all send a shout out to, uh, to Bruce's friend 
and send some positive vibes Bruce's way and to his friend's way. And we, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Now, if you're wondering, yes, I promise we will get to undertakers 99 and I had notes ready today for King of the ring, 2001. We're going to get there. Unfortunately, uh, I'll be out of the country for a week, so we will not have a normal something to wrestle next Friday. Uh, but Bruce, if you're I think th- they like the best of anyway, and the remixes, <laughs> well, he- here's, here's my commitment. As long as you're able, uh, maybe we can try to put one in the can next Sunday couple days late, but we'll do our best based on your availability with your current circumstance. And I'll be back next Saturday night. So I'll be rip roaring, ready to go and, and ready for your call. If, and when you're ready, man. All right, man. Love All right. you. Thank you boys and girls. I hope you enjoyed, uh, undertaker 1998 99 is coming your way soon. And so is King of the ring 2001. And, uh, we'll be back with, uh, with a bit of a bonus episode. Next weekend, of course, uh, you're going to get some sort of a remix or a best of next Friday, but at some point next weekend, if he's able, we're clicking record and we're going to keep this undertaker story going. We'll talk to you soon right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on, you know, finding the person you want to spend the rest of your life with is great, but you got to hate all the pressure of what's next. Of course, there's all the engagement talk, but then there's the pressure of actually shopping for a ring. The hassle, the haggling, finding a store to trust, trying to figure out what the heck the four C's are, discounts, sales, coupons, styles, all the nonsense, but at least those are all fantastic reasons to put off getting engaged. And that's why guys have really grown to hate Steven singer. He takes away every excuse in the book for not buying the ring and he makes it so easy. I hate Steven singer. Steven Singer is a Philly jeweler who's been making it too easy to buy real diamonds for over four decades. He specializes in diamond engagement rings and has a staff of real experts, real jewelers, real people that are ready to help you find the perfect ring or gift at the perfect price. There's no call center. There's no sales. There's no haggling. There's no promo codes. There's no discounts, just the best price possible guaranteeing the best value every single day. Check out Steven at the other corner of eighth and walnut in Philly or online at I hate stevensinger.com always with fast and free shipping. That's I hate stevensinger.com. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, I got to say it one last time. I want to save you money. Stop what you're doing and rush over to save with conrad.com. This is going to be the best summer ever. Just ask Miguel in Plainsville, Ohio. He left us a five-star review at conradreviews.com, and it said this. Big thank you to Conrad and his team. I enjoyed my experience working with First Family Mortgage. Jimmy was there. Anytime I had any questions, he was just a text message away. Saving money and refinancing my home couldn't have been any easier. Miguel's saving a whole bunch of cash, and you can too right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket, and if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. But I do want to mention, this isn't just for refinancing. Maybe you've outgrown your current home or you're tired of throwing your money away on rent. First Family Mortgage can help you get into your next house fast and easy at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, no house payments for two months. Come on, let's make this the best summer ever. With a little summer vacation from house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! 
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.